This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Guys, again, I want to thank you so much. I want to thank you for, for being here this morning. Welcome you to uh, Church of the Harvest. As I always say, we're a family of Christ followers. The Lord has brought us together, and we simply have found that um, we're stronger together than we are individually. And so, um, so with the Lord's guidance, we've chosen to link arms and to accomplish God's purposes in the earth together in Jesus' name. And so, um, as a church, uh, we gather together in small groups in the community throughout the week, and really Sunday has been, become the time when our small groups come together to worship corporately, and, uh, and we love that, and we're able to come together and, and worship Him together. As I always say, guys, at Harvest, we're just a small expression of the body of Christ. Re- really, here at Church of the Harvest, we're, we're a small group in the, in the, in the body of Christ, and, and we, we, we love the rest of the body of Christ. Guys, we, we pray for and lift up our friends right here at, at Brookside Baptist, and our, our friends right here at Hope, and our friends at City Church, our friends at Cross Point, our friends at Compel, because we are a small expression of the body of Christ right here. But together we're one big family. Amen? If you're part of the Harvest family, what is our vision? Our vision is to make, grow, and equip followers of Jesus to fulfill their God-given purpose in life. And we do that through community, discipleship, and outreach. Guys, uh, for a while now, uh, I've been discussing our identity and, and the responsibility of those in the family of God. Who are, who are those in the family of God? That's, that's Christ followers, people who have repented and turned from their old life and made Jesus Lord of their life, right? And so one of our biggest priorities, as you guys just recited, one of our biggest priorities is community, amen? Community. And we know that we were created to be loved by God. We were created for community. We were created for relationship. Isn't that right? And so this is something very important that, that we have to constantly be reminded of, that no one is to live in isolation in the body of Christ. We're all to be connected because we were created for relationship. We went through and we talked a little bit um, over the last couple of months. We talked about, about parenthood and, and the blessing of parenthood. Today, I, this is probably just going to be um, just one part of this I'm, I'm going to talk about today. I'm, I'm starting a new, oh, it's probably going to be kind of a short series because I've, I've already got the next one. And so um, this one uh, I'm calling Relationship Goals. Everybody say Relationship Goals. And I'm, you know, a lot of times we start by talking about specific areas of relationships. And, and as, as Pastor Shauna said, we're about to start a Sunday school class on relationships. So please jump into that as well. Um, this will be obviously much more uh, abbreviated. But guys, today I want to talk to a specific group that I, I've rarely ever heard a message uh, preached to. And that is our singles. Who in here is single? <laughs> If you didn't raise your hand, how many of you here have ever been single? <laughs> oh, wow, everybody. That's amazing. Guys, a recent census in the U.S. reported that about 86 million, 86 million American adults are single. We only got about 300 million people. About 86 million adults in the United States are single today. And... There's a few reasons that that number is actually going up. One, people are getting married later. I think the average age of marriage right now is like 27 or something. Um, also, the divorce rate is going up, isn't it? Uh, on top of that, more and more people are choosing to live together rather than to get married. 
And because of that, um, the number of singles in our nation is actually increasing. In 1970, 36% of American adults were single. Today, they think that number is around 44%. So things are changing. Back in the day, the greatest percentage of adults represented was represented by married couples with children. That was the largest percentage of, of adults, of groups of adults. Now, that only makes up 25% of the population. Things have changed. Things are certainly changing. But, you know, I got to thinking, even for those of us who are married, how of you know that singleness still makes up a large portion of our lives? And it either, either on the front end of our marriage or the back end or, 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 or both, right? Um, you know, if you think about it, I was thinking, suppose you marry at the age of 25 and your spouse passes away at maybe 70 and you live to the age of 82. Well, you've been married for, you were married for 45 years, but you were single for 37. It's almost half of your life, isn't it? So when we look at this, let me ask you a question. Are the single years less important than the married years? Of course not. Of course they aren't. Uh, you know, Shauna checked the church database this week, and out of adults who regularly attend Church of the Harvest, we found that 41% are single. 41%. So let's get this out of the way. Singles, you are not a small minority, right? And so I was thinking, I think many Christians today would say, though, but we were created to be married, right? We, we, were, we were created for marriage. They, they, we, we, there's almost this, this, this mindset. And the problem with this mindset is that it almost says, well, well, marriage is normal and singleness is not. Well, if you're single, what's wrong? I mean, something's incomplete, right? And, and I think those words are maybe never quite said, but, but maybe almost implied a little bit. So, in thinking about where that assumption comes from, if we go back to the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 2, it was God that said, it's not good that man should be alone, right? He said, I'll make a helper that is comparable to him. And so we look at that and we think, well, that means that everybody should be, everybody should be married. I don't think that's what that scripture is saying, actually. I think that the Bible is very clear that all of us as human beings, we need deep and caring and intimate relationships in our lives. We were not meant to be isolated and alone. Does the Bible really teach that everybody is supposed to be married? Have you missed something? Or are you out of God's will if you find yourself single in life? Well, let me answer that real quick. Who's our greatest example in the Word of God? Jesus, see where I'm going? Brother never married. I don't know what weird book you've read. Get, throw that trash out. He did not marry Mary Magdalene or whatever else the folks are trying to say. Okay, Lived a single life. His entire earthly life, he was single. And Jesus was complete. And he was sinless. And he was perfect. Thus, it follows that being single is not a bad thing. As a matter of fact, if Jesus lives single, then I would argue that it's good. It's a good thing. So, when we look at this, does this mean that we should 
remain single and not marry. Well, what did Jesus say about it? Because we look at the example of Jesus, we know that he lived a single life. But what did he say about marriage? And so I'm going to look, we're going to look real quick. He was asked a question about divorce in Matthew chapter 19. In verses 4 through 6, he says, it says, And he answered them, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And he said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Whatever God has joined together, let no man separate. Jesus is representing, he's referencing the institution of marriage that existed from the beginning of time in the earth. And it was, it was set up by God. And he defended marriage as something that is not to be lightly ended. So I think in this, Jesus as a single man, he offers He offers no condemnation of marriage whatsoever or any indication that it was inferior to singleness and neither that singleness was inferior to marriage. Does that make sense? So the disciples, as Jesus says this, the disciples were kind of shocked by by Jesus' strong stance against divorce. Jesus took this strong stance against divorce even besides um, even besides infidelity and so the disciples respond a couple verses later in verse 10 and they said well if this is the situation between a husband and wife then it's better not to marry and Jesus comes back in verse 12 and he answered them and said some choose not to marry for the sake of the kingdom of heaven let anyone accept this who can guys Jesus makes it clear here That one, singleness is not better than marriage. Marriage is not better than singleness. And one is not necessarily, singleness is not necessarily for everyone. And marriage is not necessarily for everyone. A verse earlier, he addressed, he's actually addressing eunuchs. He he addresses those who have been born with birth defects and can't have children. He addresses eunuchs that have been like castrated and forbidden from marrying, which unfortunately was pretty common back then. But then he mentions those who are single, living a celibate life in order to dedicate themselves to service for the Lord. And so when, when when I was thinking about Jesus, I thought, well, who are three of his closest friends? Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Three single people, guys. Three of his closest friends. All single. John the Baptist. Everybody say single. Says the single guy over there. Oh, or, or not. I mean, not married. Let me say that, sorry. As he's sitting next to Grace, my bad. Um, um and guys, and then, then you've got Paul. Paul writes most of the you know, letters of the New Testament. And, and we know that Paul was single when he wrote those letters, right? And here's the thing with Paul. Paul had a lot to say about marriage. He had a lot to say about single life. And uh, as a matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians uh, ch- um, chapter 7, he addresses three different groups of singles. And I, I want to I look at those real quick before I get to my points. And so if you want to, if you want to turn to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 7, you can do that. I will tell you, I'm going to read from quite a few different versions because the, the different translations can get kind of, um, they, they, they read very differently when it comes to this. And, um, and so I'm actually going to start with this very first one, I'm actually going to read from a paraphrase. I, I normally don't do that. I normally read from a translation first, but, but they all read so differently. I felt like the Passion Translation said it the way that made the most sense here. So you guys just follow along with me. Here's what Paul says, and, and actually the first group of singles that he addresses are the, simply those who are unmarried, and they believe that he's speaking to those who are of marrying age 
They just simply haven't married. They just simply haven't done it. And, and guys, that was a kind of big deal back then. It, it, was, it was looked down upon, frowned upon. You were kind of lower class if you weren't married and establishing a family. But he speaks to these people here. And he says in, in 1 Corinthians 7 verse 25, he says, Now let me address the issue of singleness. I must confess, I have no command to give you that comes directly from the Lord. But... Let me share my thoughts on the matter as coming from one who has experienced the mercy of the Lord to keep me faithful to him. Because of the severe pressure we are in, I recommend you remain as you are. If you're married, stay in the marriage. If you're single, don't rush into marriage. But if you do get married, you have not sinned. It's just that I want to spare you the problems you'll face with the extra challenges of being married. You should read some of the other translations. <laughs> Woo! That's why I read the Passion. <laughs> no. um, guys, Paul starts. Now, now look at this. If you look at the beginning of this verse, he starts. No matter what translation you look at, he starts this verse by saying, let me confess, I don't have a command from the He says, I don't have a word from the Lord on this. You don't, see, you don't generally see this said at any other point really in Scripture. He says, I don't have a word from the Lord on this matter. He says, this is my opinion. He says, this is my judgment on the matter, okay? And so, but, and then he says, if you look at different translations, it says, he says, but I feel that I am trustworthy. One version says, I feel I have experience in these matters that I can speak to and address. And so, in this, it's very interesting, as you may have seen, that Paul, really, by the end of this, he discourages marriage. He really does. He encourages single people to stay single, and to not jump in to marriage. He says, he clearly, but, but does he say it's wrong to marry? No, he says if you marry, it's okay. It's not sin. Now, we're going to address that in just a moment. But let me say this. Paul does say this, but earlier in this same chapter, he tells single people, it's better to marry than to burn with passion. Other versions say lust. He's saying, if you can't control your passions, if you can't control your sexual passions, you probably need to go ahead and get married. It's probably good for you, right? Because he says it's, 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 it's better to get married than stay single and have sexual relations outside of marriage. And, and, and understanding here that marriage is not a sin, but he's saying that sex outside of marriage is, sexual relations outside of marriage is, and it's destructive. So, Again, Paul kind of, not kind of, he really does kind of discourage, discourage marriage here. And I want to address that for just a second. Now, this is what I'm about to tell you is not a word from the Lord. This is my opinion and why Paul said this, okay? Why he, was, why he took this stance. Firstly, Paul was single, okay? And he had a call on his life right at the birth of the early church to spread the gospel and to take the church of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. When the Holy Spirit prompted him, he could move in a moment, go wherever he needed to go, do whatever he needed to do in a moment. There was nobody he needed to check with. There was nobody he needed to take care of. There was nobody he needed to protect. How many of you realize that especially for Paul, it was probably easier in his position to be single? Probably much easier for what God had called him to do, to be single. And, and with his calling, one of his greatest things that he was doing was raising up leaders in the church to go do the same thing he was doing. Let me say on top of that, my opinion also is he was, took this position because they were living in some tough, tough times. It was, as a matter of fact, if you look back at verse um, 
Verse 26, Paul said that this was his opinion because of the severe pressure we are in. He, he actually, another version says, because of this present crisis, if you are married, stay married. If you are single, stay single. Guys, brother was getting beat up. I mean, the church is getting spread. Christians are fleeing and running and hiding and, and, and doing all these different things. Believers were seeing family members get executed in front of them. It was a tough time. And so I believe all these things were influencing Paul's opinion that it was better for people to stay single than to get married. But at any rate, we see Paul here saying, if you're an unmarried person and you can stay unmarried and stay in check, then he's saying, do it. That's good. Go for it. Focus on God's purposes. But he says, but if you have that desire within you, get married. It's okay. It's not sin. And, and so, and, and I will add to this too, guys. If, if you have the desire to be married, if you have the desire for marriage, I would say I believe God put that within you. He put that there. And, and, and it's okay to pursue marriage. It's okay to move in that direction. But you still need to wait on and trust, on, trust in the Lord. Amen? And so, Paul, this is what Paul is saying to those that are unmarried. Let me hit the other two groups real quick um, before I move on. The second group Paul addresses in verse 36 is those who are engaged. And in verse 36, he says, If anyone is worried that he might not be acting honorably toward the virgin he is engaged to, and if his passions are too strong and he feels he ought to marry, he should do as he wants. He's not sinning. They should get married. But the man who has settled the matter in his mind, this is somebody who has settled the matter in their mind that they're to be single, who is under no compulsion but has control over his own will, and who has made up his mind not to marry the virgin, that man also does the right thing. So then he who marries the virgin does right, and then Paul adds on the end, and he who does not marry does even better. <laughs> but in these situations, it's clear that Paul, is, he's expressing his opinion that to him, it's better not to get married at this point. He, he, he even gives kind of the engaged couples kind of the out in this. He says, if you feel you're not to marry and you're under no compulsion, and I, many believe that this means there was no marriage contract. They weren't under obligation to marry. Uh, or, or he said, if you're in control of your own will, this could be referring to what he talked about, their, the, their passions um, and such. It could also, they believe it also re um, referred to servants um, who, uh, who were not required to marry by their masters. But in these cases, Paul said, said you're under no obligation to marry. So once again, he's quick to point out that there are good reasons for an engaged person, though, to go ahead with marriage. He says, he begins that scripture by saying, if he's acting improperly toward his virgin, basically toward his fiance, saying, basically, if he's losing control of his passions, you, you probably ought to go ahead and get married. It's pro probably going probably to be probably going to be good for you. Um, or said, if he even just desires to marry her, then it's the right thing to do. They should get married. And Paul makes it clear they're not sinning, they're doing what's right. And then the last, the third group that Paul addresses is in verse 39. And this is a group that is, that is not single uh, for the same reasons. They're single for a different reason. They're widows. Their spouse has passed away. 
And there were many, many widows in the ancient world because um, people didn't live as long as they do today. And, and just like today, men didn't live as long as women did back then. So there were more widows than there were widowers um, back then. So in verse 39, he says, a man is bound as long as her husband, a wife is bound as long as her husband lives. But if her husband is dead, she is free to, to, mar- to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. So first he makes it clear that if a woman's husband has died, obviously she's not obligated to that marriage any longer. He's not there. But then the Passion Translation, verse 39 says, if the husband dies, she's free to marry again as she desires. But of course, he should be a believer in the Lord. So it says, it's okay to remarry, but make sure that you marry a believer. And actually we know from scripture, that's a rule of thumb for all followers of Jesus. That we, we shouldn't put ourselves in a position of, of getting married to or in a relationship with somebody who is not a believer. So essentially, Paul says the same thing to all three of these groups in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. He said, I think it's best at this point to stay laser focused on the work of ministry and not to marry. But he's saying, if that desire is in place within you, it's okay to go ahead and do so. Okay? And so guys, all that to say, again, a state of being married or a state of being single, neither is better than the other. Uh, uh, being single should never be considered a, a diminished state of being or, or existence. Um, you're, you're, you know, uh, somebody who's, who's single, that does not mean that they're rejected or, or unloved or even out of God's will. The, how many of you know the single person has the same value as the married person and vice versa in the kingdom of God? So what does all this mean? And I, I'm going to give you four points, four things I want to say to single people um, before, we, uh, before we wrap up here. So first thing I want to say, number one, is we must celebrate being single as a gift and a calling. Celebrate being single as a gift and as a calling. Now, I'm not, I'm going to reference some other scriptures I'm not going to put on the screen. But in verse 7 of the same chapter, Paul said, yet I wish all men were even as I am myself. He's talking about being single. He said, I wish you were all just like me and, and single. And then he goes on and says, however, each man has his own gift from God. One in this manner and one in another. He's talking about being married or being single. He's saying marriage is a gift from God. Being single is a gift from God. And, and how many of you know that a gift from God is something that, is something that he imparts to us out of his grace? The single state that you find yourself in at this point in your life, it's a gift given from the grace in the heart of God. As a matter of fact, if you look in verse 17, he says singleness is a calling. And he, he, he reminds us that, that our, our marital status is not so much about us and our choices, it's about God. God is the one that does the calling, right? If he's called us at this point in our lives to a place of singleness, we submit to that. People say, well, how do I know if I'm called to be single? Well, the first thing a lot of people say is, well, well uh, if it doesn't bother you being single and you kind of like it, then you're probably called to it. And, and, and honestly, there's probably, a little bit of, there's probably a little bit of wisdom in that because many of you would probably agree that, that many times our, our, our calling does fit into what we, what we do well and what we enjoy many times. Uh, for instance, I was thinking, you know, I, I'm not called to be an administrator or a numbers guy. It would not go well. 
I don't have that ability and I wouldn't enjoy it. I'm probably not called to that, right? But how many of you know that our calling, just because we're called to something, doesn't necessarily mean it's easy. I'm called to be a teacher, pastor, to lead people. I found that can be difficult. <laughs> Ask a married person if the gift of marriage is always easy. I don't know anybody married that would say, oh, marriage is a breeze. That's easy. Nothing to it. Right? Whether you're called to singleness or you're called to marriage, nobody's got it easy. Nobody's got it easy. Another thing I would tell single people right now, we're, we're talking about celebrating being single as a gift and a calling. Another people I would say right now is don't focus on a lifelong calling to singleness. Uh, you know, in this, some people may be called to that. Some people may be called to be single for life, but I found that it's not most. You're probably called to be single for a period of time. A short while or a little bit longer while. I, I, I don't know. But... Uh, for instance, right now, I'm called to be lead pastor of Church of the Harvest. But I haven't been called to this position most of my life. And the day is coming when I won't be called to it any longer. Right? You may be a stay-at-home mom right now. That is not your lifelong calling. It's going to change. Right? So stop looking when I talk about celebrating the gift and the calling of being single. Don't look at it as a lifelong, lifelong calling. Because there's a good chance it's not necessarily in your life. If you're single right now, then guess what? You're called to be single right now. You're called to it. You're called to live a single life. And you're called to live a single life that is prosperous and victorious and productive. There are things that you can accomplish right now that you can only accomplish single. Stop making your primary focus on when God is going to send that man or going to send that woman into your life. <laughs> Instead, focus on what God has for you today. What's he got for me today? I wrote this down, ended up bolding it this morning. Embrace your situation by faith that this is what God has for me right now. And focus on each next step. Realize he will open the right doors in the right moments. It's kind of like um, many of you uh, um, know our son Aaron. Yeah, he's over in Africa. And, and, but some of you remember last fall when his life really got turned upside down and he, he recognized that this is what he felt the Lord was calling him to. And he signed up for this advanced, advanced missions training and he looked ahead and realized he had six months in front of him. And I'll tell you straight up, and he wouldn't, I know he wouldn't mind me saying this, he, he almost went into despair. There was days we didn't see him. He was in his room and going, why do I have to wait six months? The Lord called me to this. Why can't I just go? What am I going to do? This is so boring. I don't know what this, the point of all this is. And we finally were like, Aaron, if God called you to this point in the distance, then he's called you to the point in between. And he wants you to put your hand to something right now. There's things for you to accomplish that are going to get you to that point in, in the distance, in the future. And so get your hand to something. Stop looking at a distant date on the calendar and wishing for something when you've got today. And he snapped out of it and got busy, right? We got to remember that. 
If you are single right now, live your life with excellence. Don't wait to truly live. Don't put your life into some kind of holding pattern. Don't focus your heart on finding a potential mate. Focus on single-minded living for Christ. You have time and energy right now that you wouldn't have otherwise. There's things that you can only do right now. Take the time and, and put it to positive, constructive, God-given opportunities in your life today. Don't always be looking for a spouse. Stop scouring the dating sites. Get busy in the Word. Jump into the, what the Lord is doing in the kingdom. Let him open the doors in due time. Celebrate being single as a gift and a calling right now. Number two, pursue deep, caring relationships. Guys, again, I've said this several times today. We were not meant to be isolated. We need each other. Learn from the example of Jesus. Again, three of his closest friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were siblings, Adult siblings that all lived together in the same house. And their house was a good ways from where Jesus, day, a couple of days from where Jesus lived in Capernaum. And so there, there was a little stop-off point. Jesus knew he could stop with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And he could, he could kick up his feet, kick off his sandals. He could relax. He could make himself at home with them. And that's what he did. It was uh, his home away from home with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. These four single people having a relationship together. We know that when Jesus finds out that Lazarus is sick, somebody sends word to him, right? And, says he, and the person comes, I think, says, the one you love is sick. Y'all remember that? The word, and obviously it's referring to Lazarus. The word love there is one of several Greek words that we translate love in, into the English language. Uh, it's actually the word philio. You may have heard of philio, but it, it, it means a deep, caring, loving friendship. So this is what the one you love, the one you feel, Lazarus, this one that you have a deep, caring, loving friendship for is ill, is what was said, right? And we know that Lazarus dies, but, and, and, and Jesus, you know, heads back that direction. But you go down a few more verses, and, and, and Jesus arrives, and he's talking to, to Mary and Martha, and it refers to his love for the three of them again. And this time, it uses the word agape between them. Agape is deeper, more intimate word. It refers to a, 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 a committed, unconditional love that the four of them shared. And, and so if you can just imagine Jesus and Mary and Martha by this tomb holding each other and weeping together, sharing, I mean, expressing this agape love that they have together. Four Christian singles bound together in agape love. The same kind of deep, caring, sharing relationship that we think of when we think of marriage. Guys, if you're single, you need to cultivate deep, caring relationships in your life. You need to surround yourself by people who will love you, who will pray for you, who will correct you when you're off track, who will, who will help to, to, to rub off those sharp edges in your life, people who will support you when you take on responsibilities, people who will speak into you when, when, you, when, when you express doubts or, or fears or discouragements or, or questions or concerns or even joys, people who will rejoice with you. It's not good to be alone. We have to open up to other relationships. So if you're single, celebrate being single as a gift and a calling. Pursue deep, caring relationships. Number three, dun, dun, dun. Keep yourself pure. Keep yourself pure. Guys, 
the relationship of Jesus, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus involved filio, deep love between friends. It involved agape, committed, unconditional love. There's another kind of love, eros. Eros is intimate, physical, sexual love. It did not involve that. There wasn't anything funky going on. Didn't involve it. They stayed pure. Guys, if God has called you to a life of singleness right now, then he's called you to a life of purity. The Bible calls it being chaste. It speaks of chastity, a commitment to only having sexual relations within the boundaries of marriage. And I've heard people say, well, that's not fair because I have all these pent-up feelings and desires and I'm not allowed to express them. And, and guys, I know, that's, I know that's difficult. But I think that when we look at it, it's best to see chastity in the context of Jesus' call for us to take up our cross and to deny ourselves and to follow him. And how many of you know we all have to do that every single day? Every believer, whether you're married, whether you're single, whatever your situation may be, we're all called to deny ourselves and take up our cross and to follow Jesus. And obviously that looks a little different for each of us depending on where we're at in our life and our circumstances, what we've been called to. But we're all called to deny ourselves in different areas. If you're called to be single right now, you are not called to fulfill the sexual desires of the flesh right now. And, and eros, is, eros is not a love that you've been called to express at this point in your life. People say, well, that's so, that's so difficult. Yes, but if God has called you to be single, he's given you the grace and equipped you with everything you need to remain faithful to him and to stay pure in the midst of it. For some of us, when I say this too, it may not be another person that you're struggling with. It may be what you're looking at. You may be looking at things that are stirring up desires within you. Stop it. Stop. You're a follower of Jesus and God has filled you with his grace. Stay pure until the day that God calls you. Well, I mean, you'll still be pure, but anyway. <laughs> Understand, married people have to take up their crosses too. Amen? And as a community, we should be helping each other take up our crosses. We have to remain pure. So celebrate being single as a gift and a calling. Pursue deep, caring relationships. Keep yourself pure. And number four, listen, guys, listen to this. Be watchful but cautious when it comes to marriage. Listen to me clearly here. Married folk, oh, I'm sorry, single folks. If, if you're in a place right now as a single person and you are disappointed and you're unhappy and you're frustrated with your present state of being single, you're making yourself vulnerable to setting, settling for less than God's best in your life. Marriage is not a cure-all. Marriage does not exist to fix an emptiness inside of you. Marriage, a marriage partner does not complete you. I hate it when I hear somebody say that. Well, he just completes me. Okay. God completes us. He's our completion. We're whole and complete because of him. If you're incomplete and there's a hole in your heart, please fix it before you get married. Because the spouse isn't going to do it for you and you're going to have more problems. There's going to be more issues. Singleness is much better than a bad marriage. (laughs) 
Singleness is much better than a bad marriage. Don't get yourself into a position where you, were ever con- where you would ever consider marrying an unbeliever. Don't get yourself into a position where you would consider marrying someone just for the sake of being married. Guys, it hurts my heart how many people I've known that wanted to be married so badly that they married the first person that showed interest. And in the meantime, it violated their previous standards they had set for a spouse. They compromised to make this happen all for the sake of being married. Don't do it, guys. God will bring the right person in the right moment for you. Amen. You believe it? Don't, don't rush into it. Man, focus on him. Focus on him. Last thing I want to say is, um, actually, there's the point. Celebrate being single as a gift and a calling. Pursue deep, caring relationships. Keep yourself pure. And be watchful but cautious when it comes to marriage. Last thing I would say there is, guys, we, um, especially as the church, especially as married folks, um, we, we must value all people. And especially singles. In this season of their life. In this season of their life. A single person who's in Christ is lacking nothing. Maybe... Maybe you were surprised when I told you that 41% of the adults in our church family are single. Guys, that's what they've been called to right now. Maybe we need to stop going up to them and saying, so has God brought anybody new into your life this week? Wink, 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 wink. They may not be called to that yet. Stop putting the pressure on. Yeah? Pressuring them to try to find somebody. No. Let God open that door. Let God open it. We celebrate this season of singleness in their life and view it as a call and gift to God. Singles and marriage, we're all part of the family. We have to walk together. As I wrote this down, listen to this. God places people in appropriate situations for the best possible reasons. You are in the current state, whether you're married or unmarried, for the best possible reasons. Undevoted devotion to the Lord is the essence of biblical identity for the single adult. And that identity is steeped in the love of a God who uses even the most difficult of situations for the greatest possible benefits. Guys, how many of you know that God's timing is always perfect? And his direction and his guidance is always spot on. So how about we wait on him? How about we do things in his time, his way? How about we not not get caught up in something that is in in the distance in front of us and instead we put our hand to the task, our hand to the plow, working for the Lord and expanding his kingdom. If If you're a Christian, if you're a single Christian, don't despise your state of being single that the Lord has called you to at this point in your life. Just like our son, seeing a point off in the distance he was desiring No, the Lord's got something for you right now that you can only do right now. So let's get busy doing it. Live in the gift of your singleness as long as you have that gift. And whether or not 
God ordains the, the, the prospect of, of marriage in your life in the future. You walk in faith for the present and you walk in hope for the future. Because there's a lot to be done. And last thing I want to say is, guys, whether, regardless of what our state of being, whether we're married or whether we are single, we should glorify God everywhere we go. In our marriage, in our singleness as we walk through the earth, it should give praise and honor and glory to God. It should point to him. Many, if, if you're single, many pe- may people see through you that God is faithful and true and he is more than enough. As a single person, may the world see that you lack nothing. You're not in a hurry. You don't need a person to complete you because you have Father God who is all in all. And he is what makes you complete in Jesus' name. Amen? All right. We love the married folks. We love the single folks. We love everybody in between. Engaged folks. Guys, let's stand up. I'm going to invite the worship team up. We'll continue on on on, uh, relationships some next week. But I I want to speak that into, and I I pray for some of you single folks. I hope that 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 encourages you. I hope that encourages you some. And and you, you recognize that where you're at right now is a gift and a call from God. So allow him to use you to do great things exactly where he's called you right now. Let's all bow our heads for just a moment before we dismiss. Guys, if you're here, and you haven't bowed your heart to Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity real quickly. This is the most important decision you will ever make in your life. Guys, without Jesus, all the, everything we talked about today doesn't even matter. Marriage, singleness, whatever else. Put it all aside. If you haven't bowed your knee to Jesus, that's what you're called to in this moment. Guys, before we surrender to him, the Bible says that we're bankrupt, we're lost. We're empty. We're dead in our sin. We're living under a curse. The Bible says we've we've all sinned and fallen short. And that's what separates us from our loving Father. But if we'll say yes to Jesus, if we'll put ourself aside, if we'll repent of our sin, the Bible says if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us. Aren't you glad for the gift of forgiveness? The Lord loves you so much that he promises when you confess your sin, you repent from it and you return from it. He forgives you. He's not even going to remember it. He's not going to bring it back up. But understand, it was Jesus that paid the price to make that possible. If you're still living for yourself, if you haven't said yes to Jesus, That sin can't possibly be forgiven because it only happens by the blood of Jesus. God understood that we had a sin problem. And he sent his son Jesus, the only perfect man who ever lived, to come live a perfect life and to lay down his life for your sin. So today, as you repent, all you got to do is say, yes, Jesus. I ask you to be Lord of my life. I put myself aside and I choose to follow you all the days of my life. No turning back. And the Bible says when you do that, you become a new creation. Old things are passed away and all things become new. That's you today. 
You may have prayed a prayer before, but I want you to understand this isn't about the prayer. This is about the position of your heart. You could have prayed that prayer 50,000 times and never meant it with all your heart. It didn't make a lick of difference. What is the posture of your heart right now? I encourage you, turn your heart to Jesus. Say yes to him. I'm going to pray a prayer, invite you to join in with me. You can pray your own words. This is between you and him. Guys, don't wait another moment. Just say, Heavenly Father, I recognize my state of being. I am lost and alone. I am dead in my sin. I'm utterly bankrupt. Nothing I can do except look to you. And so today, I repent for living for myself. I repent of my sin. And I turn from it in Jesus' name. Jesus, I believe that you are who you say you are. I believe that you came and that you laid down your life for me. But you didn't stay in that grave. Death couldn't hold you. You rose again. And today I call you Lord. I ask you to be the Lord of my life. Come into my heart. Make me new. Make me a new creation. Be with me as I walk this life. May everything that I do point to you. I choose to live for you all the days of my life. Holy Spirit, fill me, lead me, guide me. Empower me to be everything you've called me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, in just a moment, we're going to have our prayer partners come down as we dismiss. And I'm going to invite you, if you prayed that prayer, whether you're in person, whether you're online, I guess if you're online, you can't come down. If you're in person, you can come down. If you're online, if you're rolling hills, um, I, we, we've got uh, Miss Letitia's there with you. She can talk to you. She can pray with you today. But I'm going to invite you to come down and talk to somebody. And, and whatever your prayer need, need may be, you can come down and you can get these folks. They would love to stand with you and agree with you and pray with you because we serve a good, good father who answers prayer and he wants the very best for your life. Guys, I want us to sing this chorus before we go. And I want you to just kind of examine your heart. And I want you to say, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me? Especially for those of you out there who, who maybe are, are, are living single and maybe, maybe you have the desire to be married, but maybe it just, marriage just seems so elusive. And, and, and I just really, as I was doing this, I really felt like, man, the enemy has really come in and he's brought such discouragement to some of you. And he's told you that you're not good enough. Or, or that, uh, well, I, I've heard people say, well, I'm, I'm, I, I just don't good, I have a good track history track record with men or I'm not, you know, or with women or whatever. Guys, God made you exactly who he wanted you to be. And there's somebody, if he's placed that desire in your heart, there is somebody for you. So stop buying into the lie that you're not good enough. Stop buying into that. Embrace the season to which God has called you right now. Go all out after him. Come against the enemy. When he starts saying those things, tell him to go. Silence them. The Bible says that we silence the enemy with our praise. When you begin to hear him and you begin to come down on yourself because of the state that God has placed you in as being single, you better tell the enemy to go. Because you're right where God's called you to be right now. Amen? If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free 
at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a sinner.